This is Hunting Land, the podcast for landowners and land hunters with how-tos for habitat management and land investment. If you own, manage, or dream of owning land, this is the podcast for you. Clint, today we're going to be talking about something that is uh, something that really every landowner uh, or any person who's got a hunting lease needs to think about, especially as we get close to the peak of hunting season. It's kind of hard to believe it's right around the corner. Yep, comes quick. So today we're going to be getting into the details of land insurance, uh, whether that's a hunting lease insurance or vacant land insurance. Today on the show, we've got Ed Wilson. He's the vice president of Outdoor Underwriters, and we're going to find out what we need to know about the types of insurance products that they carry, a lot of the different coverages that they uh, have, different plans that are available, costs, really everything you could need to know about insuring your land, making sure you're covered from any kind of liability that may be out there. So, Ed, welcome to Hunting Land. Tell us a little bit more about Outdoor Underwriters. Uh, you know, what kind of insurance products do you guys carry there? We stay in the outdoors uh, by our name and our nature. Uh, I'm a forester, so I've done insurance for about 30 years. So I try to keep it on hunting club liability, timberland liability, prescribed burning, consultant foresters, and wildlife biologists. We're kind of niche-type broker. You know, we can do equipment and things like that. But our big specialty is liability on land. When it comes to liability on land, I, I guess there's kind of two things that we're going to talk about today. And that's going to be, first and foremost, is protecting the landowner and the different kind of products that are available to do that. So give me an idea of the differences between, say, hunting lease insurance and, and vacant timberland insurance. Well, that topic gets confused a lot, but it, it, it's pretty straightforward. A timberland liability policy is for vacant timberland. You don't have a club on there. You do have liability exposure. It, it's out there for whatever reason, a guest or a trespasser. If you have a hunting club on the property, then, then the hunting club is named insured under their policy. It picks up their exposure from operating on the policy, but it's not going to pick up things contrary to what the landowner already has. I mean, the landowner already has exposure unrelated to the hunting club. And it's a named insured difference. One is the hunting club policy. The hunting club is named insured. The timberland liability policy, the owner is named insured. On the hunting club policy where the landowner gets coverage is they're listed as an additional insured on that policy, then they get coverage for the hunting club activity on their property. So it's really three parts there that you have to think through. You mentioned those poachers being on, you know, potentially being on your property, um, trespassers, even guests. What are the most common things that, that you see incidents wise uh, for folks that have, have hunting land, whether it's uh, hunting lease insurance or uh, or vacant land insurance. I mean, is it is it tree stand accidents or ATV accidents? The four biggies are fire, tree stands, ATVs, and shooting claims. Surprisingly, you know, when I look at the specifics, like for tree stands, uh, a lot of them occur just when guys are moving the stands, setting them up, and uh, a lot of accidents occur that way. Uh, just not necessarily hunting out of the stand. It's when they're moving, set setting them up, and uh, you know, you're helping your guy move a stand and it comes out of the tree and falls on his head and then you have a bad accident sitting there and uh there's some cross-member liability that can go into that situation on vacant land 
you know, it's not, none of these are high frequency things. I, I insure 60 million acres, you know, and, and you're going to get maybe two to three serious claims off of every million acres. So there's a good chance that you're going to own a piece of property and never have a liability occurrence on it. I mean, it's not a common thing, but when it does happen, it's generally big. I, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, however you look at it, when I was, when I was 19, I fell out of a tree stand and I was hunting a, a piece of leased ground and never occurred to me to even think about, you know, suing anybody or anything like that. But, uh, you, you mentioned those claims. I mean, my medical bills alone were over a quarter of a million dollars and that was decades ago. So I can only imagine what cost. Can I, yeah. Can I ask you what the specifics were on that? Uh, yeah. Um, was it your, your tree stand or somebody else's? It, it was, it was my tree stand. Um, and I was just hunting and was climbing down out of the tree stand and was using bolts and limbs to climb mm-hmm. down. And for whatever reason, uh, instead of grabbing my bolt on one side of the tree and my limb on the other side of the tree, I, I grabbed the limb with both hands and it snapped. And, uh, at that time I wasn't using a lifeline, which is what I use now to be connected from, you know, the time I leave the ground to the time, you know, I'm back on the ground. And at that time I was, I was wearing a safety harness. Every time I ever hunted, I always wore safety harness. That particular day I had, I forgot it. and I got out to my tree and, you know, it was one of those things where I was excited and uh, ready to hunt. And I just thought, well, I'll be all right this one time. And that was the time that I fell. I've never fallen before or again uh, a since, but uh, that was it that day. How old were you? I was 19 at the time. Uh, the reason I asked that is uh, it brings up a good liability point that gets confused sometimes. You know, th- that's your own stand. You can't sue yourself. Right. If you fall out of your own stand, you can't. So a liability policy is not going to respond to something that you're responsible for. Now, if I was hunting with you and you put me up in that stand and I didn't have a safety harness and you said, hey, well, just go ahead. It's a pretty safe stand. Just go up there and hunt. And I climb in and a branch breaks or the stand wobbles and throws me off then there's going to be recourse for me to go back against you. And what about if it's like uh, a club put, stand? Well, you know, if, if a lot well, of, a lot, it's a lot the of same situation. So who gets sued in the that same, scenario? If, if it's a club stand, the, the say club. it's a shooting house, the club gets sued. So everybody in that club would get sued. Yes, sir. The, the club name would be sued or whoever stand it was. And, you know, these can be minor accidents that occur or they can be substantial, uh, especially hunters. They don't think anything about a 20 foot ladder going up, but you know, people can get severely hurt falling three feet. If you land the right way, uh, people fall off step ladders in their house all the time and they can be become paraplegics, serious stuff from three to four feet. So you don't have to fall 20 feet. You can fall five feet. We had, recent one where the steps just gave out on a stand. The guest was there and walking up the steps and the steps gave out and that person fell and was severely injured. That falls back on the club. You should have made it safe. You should have warned them. Uh, Just anything that you would expect a reasonable person would do to go into that stand. I mean, another thing I think about, and I don't don't know how much you deal with this, but I mean, every year uh, across the Southeast, guys that are on hunting leases are running heavy equipment 
and whether it's tractors for their food plots uh, or clearing roads and doing any number of things. And it, anytime you're running heavy equipment, uh, something can happen fast and, and hurt somebody significantly. So in that kind of scenario, is, I guess it's the same thing, really. If you were running, say, a, a piece of equipment that wasn't yours uh, for the purposes of planting food plots at your club, seems like that would also create liability for the club itself or even just the landowner. Yes, sir. Surprisingly, you know, we do get those types of accidents, but a lot of times it's a guy running his own tractor, so the same situation occurs. Uh, but you do have liability from operating that tractor, like a, a bush hog throws up, you know, a stick or something and hits somebody. Um, it pulls a tree down on somebody. We've had claims like that where the, a tree gets caught between the bush hog and the tractor and it collapses on them. And if you're loaning that tractor between two parties, you know, I bring my tractor, I tell you to use it and just say the the roll cage is not properly attached or, you know, there's, there's something that I've done to make that tractor less safe. You know, there could be a hundred things that come into the liability discussion, but, but there's potential liability in that situation. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Do you see that liability incidents and maybe I shouldn't say in incidents, well, I've said two part question. Do you see that landowner liability incidents, but also you know, litigation, is that rate, is that rising or would you, or declining? Uh, do you have any data on that? Well, you just have to watch TV and, and see the number of ads from attorneys and realize that there's going to be probably more litigation today than there was 20 years ago, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, nobody's ever designed a system for interacting between people you know you have a responsibility for somebody and uh, if you injure that person because you weren't responsible our legal system gives a way to equate all that together so litigation has probably increased everywhere on everything in the last 20 years i i don't see hunting club or timberland liability outside of that trend well ed Tell us about some of the specific coverages that a a landowner needs to think about uh, and look for if they're shopping for land insurance. So, you know, I really want you to help us break down what's covered and, and what's not. So first, let's talk about the vacant land, timberland insurance. Not all plans are the, are the same, I wouldn't imagine, across underwriters and across companies. So what are the things that, that you guys, you know, make sure always in your plans? This is uh, another thing. It's fascinating to me, but a lot of companies use the same forms to construct a liability policy. A liability policy, most of the forms are very similar. They're produced by the insurance services offices, and they're approved by the 50 states insurance commissioners so they're real easy to put together and get approved you don't have to pr produce your own forms but liability is shaped by their exclusions the entire policy it doesn't tell you what's covered it tells you what's not covered so when you look at a, a general liability policy you look for the exclusions that are going to be excluding something that you want covered whether it be tree stands atvs the member to member coverage. Those are the type of things that you have to look for to be sure that certain things that are 
very incidental to your uh, hunting club don't have additional exclusions applied. That's something that's, um, that we see a lot in title insurance as well, Joe. If you remember, that's it's all inclusive except for what's excluded. It's it's you know that's a common theme in this on the liability side. Well, that's a good tip though because it's a lot of times it's hard to look at a plan or multiple plans and and discern the differences. And so, if, I, if, what, if what I'm hearing you say is correct, Ed, what you're saying is is focus on the exclusions, not on what's covered. Yeah, because the general liability policy says, you know, the insured statement is we're going to cover your liability. You know, we're covering your liability except for. So, you know, you wouldn't be able to purchase a policy that covered everything you did everywhere. So, I mean, it it's going to exclude your most the standard policies exclude like your auto liability because you should have your auto covered somewhere else. It's going to exclude your workers' comp things that that it's going to exclude intentional acts if you intentionally shoot somebody that's not an insurable exposure so what you look for is to see if somebody put an exclusion on there that eliminates tree stands or eliminates chainsaw use i mean there'll be manuscripted endorsements that you can see and read that are outside of the standard forms as far as the coverages, and this is an important point, uh, very important on hunting club policies, you want to be sure that there's member-to-member coverage, and you want to be sure that there's guest liability coverage. Member-to-member coverage is, is an endorsement that's written to provide coverage between cross-member uh, claims, and the things that we just talked about. If I put you in my tree stand, you get hurt, that's a member-to-member claim. That's not necessarily a, a hunting club claim. That's between you and me. In a shooting situation, everybody's going to get pulled in, but the liability really rests with the shooter. If for some reason there wasn't member-to-member coverage on a policy, the policy would defend the hunting club, it would defend the landowner, but it wouldn't defend that individual member that did that shooting. And so there'd likely be no settlement because the club really didn't do anything to cause that shooting what kind of liability is out there that's just never and never covered with with land insurance or hunting lease insurance i mean we heard you say earlier that if you're if you're responsible so if i fall out of my own tree stand or i intentionally shoot someone or a fire gets away from me that i have set on purpose that's not covered because i it's a it's an intentional thing is there is there any other, anything else that's, that's uh, maybe a, a, a typical occurrence or a common occurrence that's that's not covered, uh, that somebody needs to use a different type of insurance to be covered on their land? The big one's pollution. I mean, pollution is generally not covered under general liability policy. So if you have old oil wells or diesel tanks or things like that on your property, that's something that needs to be considered that a normal general liability policy is not going to cover. You know, workers' comp claims aren't covered under general liability. So if there's a logging contractor that has an employee get injured, I mean, that's going to fall on the logger and not your general liability. And is that something that that, uh, a landowner, if he's bringing, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, but if somebody's bringing a logging company onto their their property. I mean, they, they need to ensure that 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 company is insured, right? You get an insurance certificate from them and you get yourself listed as an additional insured on that policy. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to continue talking with Ed Wilson and Outdoor Underwriters. Hey guys, we get a lot of landowners that want to know, how much is my land really worth? We've recorded a video series to explain exactly how we determine that. Just head over to landhunting.com go to get the series. I'm confident it will help you achieve your land goals. And we're back. Today we're learning about land insurance, all the different types that are available, some of the costs associated and what you need to make sure that you're covered in the case of, hopefully it never happens, but in the case of a claim on your property. So Clint, you had brought something up before the show about using the umbrella policy on your home. Tell us what you were talking about there. Well, I have conversations about these policies with clients on occasion, and and most of them assume that if they've got an umbrella policy, that it automatically pulls in or or protects them for these kind of activities we've been discussing, not the hunting club, but on the vacant land, the timberland policies. And like a lot of things we've discussed here, I would say it depends. And is that right? I mean, it just depends on your policy, depends on your setup, depends on your ownership structure. Can you elaborate on that for us? Uh, Yes, sir. I mean, that's my first answer all the time. Check with your homeowners. Uh, You can't buy a broader policy than you can on your home and uh, umbrella, your personal liability. It's really about the cheapest, best coverage you can buy in the whole insurance world is a personal umbrella. Sometimes they won't extend that coverage to your land for whatever reason. If you have it set up in a corporation or you have it in partnership with another family member or you know, hunting buddy, it's it's not going to extend that coverage to that. So that's something that needs to be checked. It also needs to be checked on uh, if there's any firearm exclusions or anything that, you know, business pursuit, if you're running it as a tree farm, it might fall under some type of business pursuit. So those are something that, but it's always, I mean, even if they don't have complete coverage, I would still add it to my umbrella to have that extra layer and you know personal umbrella it's going to extend to a hunting club member if you shoot somebody there's a good chance your homeowner policy is going to become involved in that claim that's not unusual so ed if i'm out shopping for land insurance uh whether it's vacant land insurance or or hunting lease insurance are all the plans going to be the same and i'm just you know if i'm out there i'm just kind of and we'll go get three estimates three quotes and and choose the best price or, or there is there a lot of variance between companies and what they're willing to cover? There are, and there's some really court cases that have shaped this coverage o- over the years. The The big one was a, a shooting claim that um, the insurance company took to court and they ruled it as it wasn't a hunting club activity. It was an activity of the member, but it wasn't considered an activity of the club. There's a lot of people that still use that standard endorsement to provide member-to-member coverage, but it does not provide member-to-member coverage outside of hunting club activity. So it all becomes defined about what you consider hunting club activities. In this particular court case, they didn't think a guy hunting by himself was a hunting club activity. Um, That's just one of those things that came out. Um, So it's important to have like I said, to have the member-to-member coverage clearly defined so so it provides the coverage that you're looking for. So have you guys had some instances like that where, you know, you had claims or, or had um, had liability, you know, incidents on a property where, an you know, an outdoor under policy covered 
someone that where they maybe wouldn't have been covered otherwise? Shooting claims particularly. Um, I'd say, you know, about half the programs out there right now use use an endorsement that would exclude that type of claim. So almost all my shooting claims are fall in that category. Shooting claims is they get real personal because, you know, you're not out there with strangers hunting. You're hunting with family and friends and, you know, sometime lifelong friends. So they get, they get pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, it's like you say, it's something you hope you never have to use. And uh, unfortunately, I've been privy to a few accidents on, on hunting property. Um, uh, not just myself falling out of a tree stand, but we've had, a, we've had some folks that have uh, gotten burned and uh, a number of different things. And it's always a, a sad situation. And I don't know, for me, it's insurance is just one of those things that has always helps me put my head down at night and sleep peacefully, knowing that God, you know, God forbid anything happens that, you know, everybody's going to be taken care of if it does. But yeah, this is where it gets important. I mean, we're, we just talked about, you know, things that are covered and not covered. And one of the best things that you're buying with this policy with that peace of mind is somebody that's going to step in and defend you when something does happen. The liability, whether you're responsible or not, you know, a thousand different things come into play with that. But having somebody that's defending you that has the resources behind it, by the resources, I mean claims adjusters that know how to go out in the woods and adjust a claim and look at to see what went down for the landowner, whose responsibility it is and attorneys that are familiar with the law and landowner laws and prescribed burn laws and recreational immunity laws, all that comes into play on any specific claim. So it's really a, a niche coverage that you're going to be better off if you have somebody with those kind of resources behind them. And it's just not me. There's a few other companies that have that out there. That's the main thing that I would want is not having a claims adjuster that you know, spent half the day working on claims at shopping malls or something like that. And then he gets a hunting club claim because they just don't have the resources or the knowledge to adequately adjust that claim. You know, we talk about that a lot in the real estate business. And, you know, we are constantly out on new properties trying to determine their value, you know, for sale and, you know, going out and trying to assess what a uh, 200 acre parcel of, that's got timberland and pasture and cropland and a country home and a uh, bass pond. You, if you were to take a residential real estate agent and put them in that environment, they just, they won't know what to do because uh, they're not used to dealing with it. So that parallels exactly what you're saying and having a yes, team sir. of people that's dealt with uh, these kind of things before. That's what you get with you guys. So let's talk about cost a little bit. Is there a, is there a general rule of thumb that, a landowner can use to say, you know, a per acre price, or is it very specific, you know, where you're going to, you know, want to take a look at their specific piece of property and their specific set of uh, specific exposures that they've got, or, or are all policies generally uh, in the same price range? How would somebody go about getting a, an accurate uh, picture of what their plan is going to cost? Well, it varies and it doesn't. I mean, I have several different programs for the very large landowners, you know, the multi-million dollar owner policies, then they get a straight per acre rate that's built into the hunting lease. 
when individual clubs buy policies, I generally refer them to something like Quality Deer Management Association. There's an app on there that has prices. They're based on a per acre. They start at about $200. Um, and that includes some memberships into the association, which is nice little benefit uh, that's worth about $35 for the membership. So for $200, they get uh, some pretty good coverage and they get a membership into the association. The thing I like to point out is I, I didn't get involved with individual hunting clubs. At first, I got involved with the multi-million acre landowners and was writing coverage on, on their hunting club properties. And hunting clubs would call me and say, hey, uh, we need coverage on adjacent property. And when I went out to the marketplace to get it, policies were starting at $1,000. So they were paying fifty dollars through one of the paper companies at the time for insurance for a thousand acres but for 50 acres somebody wanted a thousand dollars to cover it so i went and put these association programs together to get the same kind of policy out there with the same kind of coverage that the large industrial landowners were using and get it out there at a cheaper price and so that's why we formed programs with quality deer management association i'm looking at that webpage now uh it, folks if y'all are interested in that it's www.qdma.com slash hunting liability insurance uh, and i'm sure you could google uh qdma hunting liability insurance as well and it'd pull it up but that is an interesting it's interesting and in how you've been able to group some folks together to bring bring the cost down for the smaller private landowner. Sounds like, it sounds like that's what you're saying is that, you know, working in these bigger associations, that's, that's how you're able to do that. You're aggregating some, some acreage. Yeah. And you get economy of scale and, and you also get a, a policy that's been reviewed by risk managers for multi-billion dollar companies. And they don't take this stuff very lightly. I mean, they're pretty serious people when they're looking at policy wording. Yeah, in my experience with you guys and with with QDMA, I mean, there's these are some of the most cost effective outdoor policies available to the public. I mean, anywhere I've seen for both hunting clubs and landowners. So it's we appreciate you guys being out there for us. Well, I know. I mean, I know from my experience of, of having that fall and um, whether that would have been a claim or not, but it could have just as easily been falling from a friend's tree stand or uh, one of the other you know hunting lease members uh, tree stand or getting injured in a number of different ways. And just seeing how quickly the costs add up of 200 bucks a year is really <laughs> pretty minimal when you, uh, when you consider it. it's almost, it's almost silly not to have it. Well, Ed, as we get into uh hunting season, you know, Clint and I were talking earlier, it's, it's hard to believe, but I mean, here we are in June and it's really not that far away, uh, where everybody's going to be hitting the woods, uh, planting food plots and getting their, their, bows and rifles tuned up and putting out tree stands and moving tree stands. Tell me some safety tips as we go into this season, some, some things that we can do to easily prevent uh, a lot of these uh, incidents that are occurring. You know, hunting overall is a pretty safe activity given what we're doing. Uh, and, and I like to just point out a few things. I mean, the tree stand harness, the, the ground up, you know, hooking on before you even start up the tree uh harness is is probably one of the most important things with using a tree stand and even with a climber stand i used to climb and then hook in but 
you know, you got to be hooked in when you start to climb. That, that prevents a lot, prevents a lot. I like to see orange when you're on the move. Uh, it amazes me some of the shooting claims I have that, you know, another hunter will wave to the guy to let him know he's there and he ends up being shot. Um, so a little bit of orange, even just an orange hat when you're on the move helps a great deal. Inspecting tree stands, looking out for wasps before people get in them, making sure the nylon straps are changed every year. That's a big issue. Change those straps every year. Uh, make sure that stand is sturdy before you put somebody in it. Make sure there's a lifeline that, that they can attach to. With fire, it's just your basic campfire safety. Make sure the fire's out before you leave the site. And ATVs, most of those are operated operation and a lot of them are kids so it's real important that that kids be supervised on atvs and not just turn loose with them and and that would handle probably about three quarters of the claims if we if we just looked before we shot we wore some orange we took care of the tree stands and we watched fire well, you're exactly right, and and every year I, I try to really highlight tree stand safety, but have given my experience, but I can't say enough really about that constant connection you need to make with that tree. And so I still see my friends uh, doing it, and it, it it almost hurts my feelings in a way when I see them doing that, knowing that they know what happened uh, to me. But man, it's just not worth it, guys. If you're out there, and even if you're just moving a tree stand, even if you're just repositioning a tree stand, a lot of guys, oh, I'm just real quick, I jump up in the tree. I'm just going to check this thing and make sure that everything's right. It happens so fast. You're, you're not going to be able to react to it. Just stay connected. It doesn't take that much more time. It doesn't take that much more effort. It might seem like it will, but it, it really won't. So, uh, Ed, thanks for being with us today and, and shedding a little light on the differences, uh, the different types of land insurance that are out there and some of the different uh, products that you guys have and uh, what landowners can do to make sure they're covered and, uh, and, and guys that are hunting on hunt leases, make sure that they're covered. Just remember, gravity has 100% success rate. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, hey, we look forward to having you on the show again soon. We got There's, there's some other things we've got to talk about, but uh, anyway, have yourself a good season if we don't talk to you before then, and uh, everybody else stay safe out there. Ed, we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up this week for Hunting Land. Uh, if you're interested in hunting lease insurance or land insurance, give the folks over at the QDMA a look. They've got a, a really cool program through the Outdoor Underwriters that gets you membership to the QDMA and everything these, those guys do over there. They do a ton of research, ton of education, a lot of advocacy for, for deer hunters and, and hunters at the you know, state and national level. Um, and some of the programs that they offer there, the Deer Steward Program, is is just amazing for for landowners and guys that are trying to improve their habitat. You know, you get all those benefits by going through them uh, to get your hunting lease insurance. So it's a really good value. Plans themselves are really good value, but going through the QDMA is, just makes makes a lot of good sense and and some money savings as well as always we appreciate you listening y'all subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you next week